Shinzo Abe, the former Prime Minister of Japan, was just assassinated during a public gathering giving a speech in Japan. And if you look at their very strict gun laws, it's a great opportunity for us to reflect on kind of the conversation that we're having about gun laws here in America right now. But we want to look broader than that because much of the conversation around gun laws, around abortion, and so many other things going on right now in America really belie an important distinction that I think poses the greatest threat for us right now in America. We'll talk about that and more today on IndieThinker. Don't forget that today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. If you're looking to purchase a new home or if you want to refinance your present home, then you need to do that before interest rates get crazier than they already are. So go over to kevinblairteam.com today so that you can get pre-approved for a home loan totally for free. Now, not only do these guys care about the things that you care about, and that's why they're sponsoring this show, but also they are a class A customer service organization. So if you want a name you can trust that will take care of your needs, then you need to go over to kevinblairteam.com. And when you do so, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. What's up, independent thinkers? Thanks so much for watching today. I hope you're ready to crush some echo chambers because we're going to get into that. Before we do, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the channel. And if you haven't already, click the little bell to be notified so that you will know when new episodes come your way. Now, we are on the precipice of a uh, great moment in indie thinker history. Not only did we just uh, surpass a thousand subscribers, but also we are coming to our second ever live uh, episode of Indie Thinker. So Indie Thinker Live is coming to Chattanooga. So uh, if you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. There's a registration link uh, down below in the description of this video. But here's a small kind of promotional video that'll give you an idea of what you can expect this coming Thursday at Indie Thinker Live. Chris Buckley, former U.S. Army Sergeant, recovering drug addict, former KKK, Imperial Nighthawk. I'm helping on extremism cases from KKK to Islamism, eco-terrorism, Antifa, and others. Extremism is not a political problem. This is not simply a Republican or a Democrat problem. This is a human problem. I'm here to tell you that bad things happen, but it's up to us to choose what we do with our wounds. So as you can see, we're gonna have a fantastic night. We're gonna to talk to Chris about his journey into the KKK, out of the KKK, what he's doing now to help people come out of extremist groups. Then we're also gonna have a conversation about kind of like polarization and division and how extremism is being used by certain political personalities to try to kind of just castigate anybody that disagrees with them, right? If you disagree with this standpoint, then you must be an extremist, which is the easiest way to shut down conversation rather than actually have you know, important conversations. But since we know that extremism does exist, we'll talk about also, too, how we can identify it and what we can do to to help people that are trapped in those, in those kind of circles. So uh, nonetheless, it's gonna be a fantastic night for open dialogue and independent thinking. So if you're in the Chattanooga area, it's not too late. Make sure to go to that registration link so that you can get all the information for that night. Now, as we jump into the episode today, um, I've been thinking, a lot about ideological possession. So I wanna to talk to you about possession for, for just a moment because we have this kind of gu 
goofy idea about what possession actually is, right? It's relegated almost exclusively in our time to kind of like Stephen King and The Exorcist and uh, other weird movies, uh, the horror genre, suffice to say. That's, that's ultimately where we've relegated possession to. And mostly that's because of this modernistic sentiment that what we see in the Bible with possession and that kind of stuff is, is all just ridiculous. Modern science has moved us away from believing that people actually get possessed by anything, right? So nobody today would ever act like they're possessed, right? Hi, my name's Jasper. I use they pronouns. Hi, my name is Liana. I use they demon pronouns. Well, as you can see, we're certainly not the most sane people on the planet, but ultimately, jokes aside, it depends on how you define possession. A disembodied spirit that wants to seek a body to control, to do its bidding, right? That's what possession is. So it's a disembodied spirit looking for a body to control. But, but what about a disembodied idea, right? Because a spirit is a non-materialistic thing and is a, an idea is a non-materialistic thing. So it, it's not a far jump to assume that possession can also come in the form of ideas that p possess our mind and take over our, our thinking so that common sense is totally evaporated. So if we think about it that way, then we understand that ideological possession may be way more common than we actually think. Now, if you don't think this is true, then at least you're going to have to come up with an excuse for the grotesque evil we see in society. Certainly mental illness is, is one of the causes for that, but, but the prolific nature in which we see uh, people coming up with these ideas not based in truth at all, where does that come from if it is not possible for somebody to be completely possessed by an idea, to enter that echo chamber, maybe even convince other people of that idea, but then outside of the echo chamber, we're kind of standing back looking on at the people who believe these ridiculous things and thinking to ourselves, how can they not see that, that what they believe has no basis in reality and has no basis in the truth? And we're going to talk about that today, but essentially I would say that if there is a risk of civil war in America today, if there is a risk of this American experience, experience breaking down and eroding at the foundation, I would suggest that that's going to come in the realm of ideological possession. It's gonna come in the realm of disregarding truth. If we can't agree on basic truth assumptions, well then we are in store for, for trouble in the future, right? Because I don't believe it's political in nature, the things that are dividing us right now. I don't believe it's religious in nature. We're not dividing over religion right now. We're not even dividing over the lamestream, lying legacy media. What we're actually arguing about and separating over so much in America today is not left, right, and center, but actually a basic understanding and importance of, of uplifting and undergirding and emphasizing the truth. And we're, we're separating over the fact that once we are confronted with the truth, we don't have a mechanism to, to respond to that and to change. See, if that doesn't change, then we're gonna be like Thelma and Louise headed off the side of that mountain and then <laughs> Needless to say, that's, that's where we're at as a nation if we continue along the path that we've, that we've been going. So we need to find a way to respond to truth once again and to care about the truth. We need to get out of the spin cycle of postmodernism that has told us that there is no real meta-narrative for life, one, one ultimate overarching story that we can get behind and believe in. There's only just my truth and your truth, but there is no such thing as the truth. See, that is going to be the death 
of our nation if we are not careful. And I've got some examples for you here today. Because just recently, Shinzo Abe, the former prime minister of Japan, was assassinated in public at a speech that he was giving. Now, because this story is gonna serve as kind of a backdrop for something much more broad in its implications, I just wanna give you a real quick kind of rundown of what took place. So Shinzo Abe is running for an office in Japan, not for prime minister, for something else. Um, and he has been an outspoken critic of China in the past and has associated with people like uh, Obama, I believe the uh, Bill Clinton, but also more importantly, most recently, Donald Trump, because there is uh, supposedly a nationalistic tie between the nationalism of Abe and the nationalism of Trump. And so they um, are really big kind of uh, proponents of making sure that they focus on their country first, you know, kind of like the America first principle, but in Japan. So, so Trump and Abe uh, had a, a lot in common. Um, a lot of people are talking about the fact that because Abe was such a vocal critic of China, that the person who killed this guy uh, might have even been some kind of Chinese cat spa or a Chinese agent that was doing this to, um, to eliminate a threat because Everybody on, and the mama believes right now that China is making overtures toward Taiwan and will eventually try to take over Taiwan uh, in, in pretty short order. So whether any of that is true or not, um, who knows? But, but more importantly, there's something underneath this story that I think is very revealing about what's going on in America right now. And that is the fact that an individual, the individual that shot Abe, did so with a gun that he made. So it was made out of wood and I think some metal barrels. Uh, I'm not positive about that, but suffice to say, the, the, the gun was made at home. And in this Washington Post article that I'll throw up here that gives a great rundown of, of what took place, you also get what the present gun restrictions are in Japan. And this is really super interesting. And according to the Washington Post, anyone trying to shoot and own a gun in Japan has to apply for a permit, which starts with attending a class on gun safety and passing a written test. It's a long process involving background checks uh, on family. So not just background checks on you, but background checks also on the people you're around. Uh, it get, involves background checks on work, criminal records, and even requiring a medical certificate that attests to your mental health. So as you can see, Japan has really robust gun laws. I mean, that's, that's interesting, right? Suffice to say, you can't even get a gun in or shoot a gun in Japan without breaking the law unless you have uh, had a mental health assessment. Now, what we see in this in this shooting here, is we see that none of those laws mattered. Now, let me stop and just say this. Um, I am open to the conversation as to what we can do to mitigate what's been going on in America. B believe you me, I think we need to do what we can without violating certain civil rights. Suffice to say, I understand that the enemy of the good is sometimes the perfect. And so perhaps we need to, to do some things that even mirror what they have in Japan, mental health assessments, look at your family and the people who will be around you and access, be able to access those guns and, and make sure that you, you've got a work history and all these things. So I'm, I'm not advocating for all of these. All I'm saying, it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Right? There can still be underlying mental health issues that need to be addressed. More importantly, if a person can make a gun in their own home, then all of the restrictions that you're talking about may not really solve that much. But the question remains, 
why aren't we having conversations about mental health? Why aren't we having conversations about the one thing that we want to push away the most when these kind of mass shootings happen here in America. We're not talking about bringing prayer back into schools or bringing prayer back into the home or bringing dads back into the home for crying out loud. Perhaps some of those things might actually make a difference since the vast majority of the young men who are going into schools or going into churches and shooting up the place have no father to speak of, like none of them. Okay, so the point is, is this, is that if we're really interested in having a important conversation about these things, how come all we want to talk about is the things that are listed that in that list, for the most part, that I just mentioned to you that are already in place in Japan, but that didn't stop the shooting of the former prime minister? My, my, my appeal through all of this is that we need to get back to talking about the things that are actually substantive. Now, there's two ways to look at this. The reason we are not doing that is either because there are a bunch of evil people who really do desire to take guns away from, from citizens because they understand that that is one of the stopgaps uh, from, from tyranny, right? Is, is a well-armed uh, militia to withstand, which is exactly what the Second Amendment was put in place for, was to protect the First Amendment, uh, to withstand tyranny, right? It is how our country was founded. So, so there could be a segment of society that doesn't want guns because they actually have totalitarian tendencies. But I think the vast majority of people who otherwise are anti-gun or really against guns or immediately jump on the bandwagon with, with Joe Biden and, um, and, and people like Beto O'Rourke in Texas and they want to uh, jump on the AR-15 bandwagon craze is simply because they are taken over by an emotional appeal. So th the point being is this, is that there's a, we have to ask the question why we are not willing to have the real conversation that's, that's underneath all of this stuff here. But it's not just in guns, right? I, I mean, that's an emotional topic. It's almost understandable that you would, you'd see children getting shot up and you would immediately think to yourself, well, let's just get rid of all guns. So that you can almost understand that but it takes a lot of like suspension of logical thought. But let's go a little bit further because we're also talking about abortion a lot lately in the wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade here in America. So here's a story just recently of a woman who was driving in the hub lane in Texas and said that because she was pregnant that she didn't, uh, she didn't need to get ticketed for driving in the hub lane when there was only one person in the car. So here's a clip of her doing her best comedy routine. Brandy, to you first, you were pulled over on June 29th while driving in the HOV lane. What happened next? So um, there's an internet, uh, a split on the interstate up there and um, you can go east or west and I have to go east to go back down to 75 and um, they had, uh, I guess, an HOV checkpoint and I had no clue what was going on. I got up on top, slammed on my brakes and um, I, th I thought they were maybe looking for someone or there was a car wreck. Never in my wildest dreams, it was an HOV um, checkpoint. I got pulled over and the officer said okay well you're in an hov lane and i said yes and he said great um where's your is there somebody else in the car and looking around i said well yes there is and he said well well where as he's peeking in the in the car and i pointed to my stomach i was like right here and um he said uh well 
it's two bodies outside of the body. So that doesn't count. Um, and so I just kind of was in shock and I was like, well, in light of everything that's happened, and I'm not trying to make a huge political stance here, but do you understand that this is a baby? No, SNL quality comedy act to the side for a moment. Let's, we'll get back to that never. Um, and let's just point out the fact that, so I'm only assuming that this person is not being serious, that they don't actually believe that the baby in their body is really a baby. It's, it's the euphemistic cluster of cells, right? It's a, it's a fetus so that they don't have to acknowledge the fact that that cluster of cells and that, that fetus that's kicking inside of your belly is actually another body because it's a baby. It's a human being inside of there. So I'm, I guess I'm only left to believe that because of her silly, ridiculous joke that she's pointing to not actually a, a, a baby in her belly and that in Texas, she should have the right to be able to terminate the life of that baby inside of her belly. So, so that's what we're supposed to believe? That, that's what you're going with. Um, because uh, I don't think she's just trying to get out of a ticket here. I think she is trying to prove a political point. And it might, uh, what might serve that, that accusation is the fact that she's all over CNN and USA Today and, and all these different news outlets with her little story. I mean, these guys over at CNN just think that they just got the hugest slam dunk on the pro-life community. Oh, boy. Isn't that another human being in her belly? So she shouldn't have that ticket, right? And this is what we've got ever since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. These little fringe cases of things happening that are, even if you were to push back on those things and just say, okay, so let's say that in that instance, in that one rare instance where the 11 year old uh, is raped by a family member, let's just say we'll give you abortion in that instance. So abortion in no other instance, right? And of course they're not gonna say, uh, they're not gonna say okay to that. No, because they want to radically uh, put forth an agenda that terminates the life of children in the, in, in the womb, regardless of the science, right? And this is the, the point. So it's like, good job, mom of the year. You proved your point. So you should be able to kill your baby without regard to the life inside of your, of your belly. But, but let's just say one more thing about this, right? Because the hub lane is supposed to do two things. The, the hub lane is supposed to mitigate traffic and it's supposed to also cut down on carbon footprint. So now all of a sudden you, you leftists that believe in aborting babies, you, you also don't believe in climate change anymore. Uh, you, you don't think that actually you should use the hub lane just for the purposes of people who actually occupy seats in a vehicle. So by the way, this is not inconsistent at all from the pro-life standpoint. Yes, that's still a baby in your body, but um, you're not occupying other seats inside of the car. And that's actually the way the law is written. And the law is written that way to try to cut down on traffic, which you're not doing by just having a baby in the same seat as you. So um, anyway, suffice to say, the point is, is that leftists continue to contradict themselves without any regard for the truth. That's what this story, among so much of what we're hearing uh, with other abortion lies right now in the overturning of Roe v. Wade. That's what this proves, is that they don't care about the truth, they just care about their point making. They're possessed by an ideology that doesn't have any grounding in the truth. Um, so let me just ask a couple of questions if that's not true. Sincerely, for those of you who are in the pro-abort community, I have a question for you. Are you really eager to recommend an abortion to a person who has an a unwanted pregnancy, as though 
really there was ever a pregnancy that was truly unwanted universally. Um, so, so let's just just put that out there. Is that a medical procedure that you would recommend? Think about life-saving medical procedures. We quickly recommend those to people because it'll save their life. Is that the way we really feel about abortion? We're gonna we're gonna go to somebody we love and we're gonna say, "Oh, you gotta get an abortion." Is that is that the way we really think about this? I question that. And let me just ask this: If women are so at risk from not being able to terminate the life in their womb then why did Narrell have to straight up lie about the number of back alley abor abortions? Bernard Nathanson, who was one of the founders of Narrell, just straight up created out of whole cloth the number of women who were dying from back alley abortions. He even said so. He said it's a, a lie in the service of a greater truth. So now, I mean, do you just want to walk around with your, with your coat hanger signs or do you actually want to know the truth? I mean, are we really ready to actually have an honest, logical conversation about uh, the aftermath of what happens to baby body parts and what happens to women who have an abortion? No, I'm sure you'd rather walk around and you'd rather shout my body, my choice, forgetting to care about the other body that's involved in this, in this choice. So let's face it. With both of those stories, with gun control and abortion and so many other things that we could go on and on and on about, we're having this disconnect with just simple, rational thought. And what is evil outside of that? I mean, think about this. Hitler, he is like the go-to evil guy, right? It's not just because of his disgusting mustache and stupid haircut. That's not why he's evil. No, Hitler is evil because he was possessed by an idea. And that idea was that there was a supreme race, that there was a group of people that were dominant over other people and deserved to dominate the world as a result of it. That idea was what made him really evil. So how do you define evil? Well, this is at least one of the ways that you can define it. A person who is possessed by an idea that has no grounding in the truth. So what I'm actually saying is this, is that if you do not care about the truth, then you are making way for evil. An evil run rampant in a society will destroy it. So to cure this evil, we're gonna have to decide if truth really matters. This is why secularism in society today is having such an impact on the Christian church and should be noted. Why? Because Christianity may be a lot of things, but if it is anything, it is a religion based upon the necessity and, in, and the importance of truth. Now, you may argue, well, Christians don't believe things that are true, but that's not the point. The point is, is that every single person who truly believes in the Jesus of Scripture and believes in the Bible believes in a basic premise, that their belief system must correspond to the truth. Now, does it? That's a conversation for another day. Obviously, I think it does, but it is inarguable that Christians have a belief system that they believe is based upon coherent truth. So Christianity is fundamentally built upon a belief that Jesus was the truth and came to preach the truth. This is what he said. I came to testify of the truth and that any belief that does not support the truth must be disregarded. So what is the truth, right? This is the question that Pilate asked. And this is the, if we're going to throw the word around, we have to understand what we're talking about. Well, when I say the truth, I mean this, a proposition or set of propositions that supersede the observer. So in other words, that it is not dependent upon you to interpret those things. It's true whether you like it or not. So in other words, God exists whether you like it or not. That's a truth. So at the end of the day, I'll quote my friend Rod Dreer, um, who is also quoting 
uh, I think loosely, Solzhenitsyn, who said, live not by lies. The idea is this, is that the way to control a society, the way to subvert a society and to, um, and to, to create a totalitarian rule is, is to make people regurgitate lies. That's what propaganda is all about. And Solzhenitsyn's idea is basically this, that they can try to tell you things, but you don't have to believe it. You don't have to listen to them. They, they, you don't have to say what you believe because it could mean your death, but you also don't have to believe what they're telling you to believe. So think for yourself. At least in Christianity, there is this self-repairing mechanism for this kind of ideological possession. And at the end of the day, this is what I'm saying, is that whenever we believe something that's out of step with reason and reality, we need to repent. So what I'm saying is the only cure for possession is a willingness to change when confronted with the truth. And whatever you believe, you better check that against the truth and make sure you can move towards the truth no matter what you believe. And if you can't, then it's probably time to call an exorcist. All right, guys, thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.